Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome along to the Rugby Pod, brought to you in proud partnership with our friends at Guinness. Our next live pod has been confirmed for the 14th of March. It's a Guinness Six Nations special and it's in their official fan zone in Flatiron Square in London, which is an awesome venue. And we've got Stephen Ferris confirmed as our special guest, along with Big Jim and Goody. So get yourself along for a big night. Tickets for that one are on sale on the Flatiron Square website. So check out our social media pages for the link or just Google Flatiron Square Rugby Pod for all the details. Why? you speaking so fast like this Andy Rowe I do like you very much and we are going to go to a live show we're going to get absolutely slipping and we're going to run around this Iron Square naked why are you Whoa. saying it like this please don't ever do that Jim how was the weekend Goody uh, you enjoy Twickenham yeah well let, let's just go back a bit let's go back a few steps because we were in Edinburgh last week weren't we Jim I'm Andy Rowe oh no that's it we, we had a live show in Edinburgh with John Barclay good mate yours Jim good mate mm, good bloke and what happened Andy Rowe starts kissing babies. Lads, you go, mate. I'm signing autographs, drinking with the masses, <laughs> the fans. The fans want me, mate. They don't want you. What were you doing? Did you say to me, quote unquote, Jim, I am effing starving? <laughs> of course did you I say was. that or not? Of course I was. Where did you want to go? I went to the Thai restaurant in Edinburgh, which how much we've did been you to eat? twice. And how much did you eat? And who got, who got the fucking bill, Jim? You were like, cheers, Goody. Me again, is it? We ate a lot. It was so good, though, wasn't you, it? You ate a lot. We ate, well, producer Tim got a feed as well. Oh. Good, and it, Yeah, it was good in Edinburgh, wasn't it? I had a busy week last week. So we Did were up you? in Edinburgh on Wednesday, flew home on Thursday, saw the wife. I can't remember if I saw the kids. <laughs> flew back up to Edinburgh on Friday, did a gig before the game with Paul O'Connell. And on Saturday, I was at the game, the big game of the weekend, uh, with the Royal Bank of Scotland. RBS. Wow. It was nice. It was nice. The Royal Bank. So I give them a shout out because I enjoyed it. Mm. Uh, you know, this corporate thing, you know, am I suited to it? I don't really know, but I went all out, wore a tie, wore a tie pin badge as well that I got Did from a, a cracker at Christmas. Oh. Yeah, you know, then <laughs> we went cracker. really big. We went really big this Christmas. Uh, we went Sainsbury's crackers instead of Aldi's. The Aldi ones were crap. We're getting a lot of toy soldiers. <laughs> oh. So this one got a, a tie pin badge. Did not realise it was smart casual. Funny story though. So I thought, right, I'm going to change it up a little bit. Bit of a Q&A. Me and Rory Lawson were doing it. So I thought, I know what, I'll get out into the crowd, ask them some questions. So there's a few kids in there. Who's your favourite player? Obviously they said Jim Hamilton, laugh about it, spoke about the game. Went round the crowd, like, what do you think of the game, et cetera, et cetera. Went to this one lad, you got anything you want to ask? Who's got the biggest bush out there? That's what it says in this corporate thing with kids and women. They were horrified and I just said the ref. Roman Poitz. Yeah, Roman I bet he's got a leather bush as well. And how's everything else at home, Jim? I saw a picture floating around in the WhatsApp group that may have cost you a bit of money. Well, it nearly cost us our relationship, actually. So the missus, stressed out for whatever reason, I don't know. Driving in Cheltenham, we've got a Volkswagen Caravel. I mean, we look cool as fuck. Can you imagine me rocking around in that? (laughs) We've got the bloody minibus. We've got the roof box on top of the minibus. Roof box is on. Obviously, you can see the roof box is on. We've got a blue van and the roof box is black. Driving around, Mrs. takes the kids to school. I'm on the phone to her, just sorting out some admin. Next thing she screams. I'm like, what's going on here? And she said, I've just driven into a car park with the fucking roof box on top of the car. Oh, my God. Golly gosh, so I've got a green card to go to Vegas now. Goody, has your week been as eventful? Um, yeah, what did I do? Saturday I was commentating for BT Sport, Premiership Cup semi up at Northampton, which was quite a good game actually, uh, defence optional. And then Saturday, what did it, Sunday I was at Twickenham. How was that? Um, oh, mate, I avoided every French person possible. Did you see your Bastereau? I, did, I, I went looking for Bastereau, but he was hiding in the change rooms, he wouldn't come out. <laughs> I was like, let's have it here and now, son. No, I was in the corporate, so just, just abusing French people, making the English fans cheer and laugh. Um, the French don't even like themselves, so um, you know, 
easy pickings it was. Oh, look- no, 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 no. <laughs> and you look at the game and we pulled their pants down and they got the white flag out. There was more than the pants being pulled down. Yes. There was pants being pulled down with the biggest skid match you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> Rolled inside out, straight in your mouth, straight in your mate's mouth, and then you put your pants... You put your pants on the dog, then you've taken them back off, then you fed them to the chickens. And then you've walked home. With your pants back on or not? With, well, with your pants on your head, inside out, so everyone can see the skid marks. I mean, it was an absolute... I'm watching it on the beanbag on the floor, and I am like... <laughs> Do you see him when he scored? Waving at all the chickens in the crowd. Uh, uh, brilliant to see. What do you call a group of chickens? I love looking at Timmy straight onto it. A clutch, uh, of, clutch. A clutch of chicks. A clutch yeah. of chickens waiting in the crowd. How much of it was England being good and France being horrific? There's two ways of looking at it. But the build-up to the game, when the teams get announced, you're looking at it and you go in. They've recalled Bastereau outside centre. Uh, Dumaru at, at 12, I thought, was... All right, he fronted up. One of the very few French players to front up physically. And then you look at the back three and you go, you've picked two centres in Gael Ficou and Damien Pernod on the wings. And you've picked a winger, Johan Hoosier, at fullback. So you're doing your analysis and you're looking at what they've done against Wales the week before. And the coaches, people at like Owen Farrell, are going to be meticulous in their preparation, aren't they? In terms of looking for weaknesses, looking for opportunities to attack. And they've come in with this plan of going, let's test out the back three, not in an aerial battle, because obviously that's going to happen anyway, so box kicks from kick-off receipt and all that stuff. And they did, and Hujay dropped it like it was hot, dropped it like it's hot. Mate, you actually couldn't be the polar opposite of a rapper, could you? <laughs> well, I don't know. There's a few of them. What, what's oh. the... Fat Joe? <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> exactly. True. You know? He looks... He don't Who's look... a Big Nasty? Big... <laughs> Big, uh, big nasty. <laughs> big. What's your name, sir? Well, my name is Big Nasty. But in terms of their attacking, kicking game, it was spot on. You know, Elliot Daly makes that first break, and it's from a turnover, from a kick receipt, back three are out of position because they're in attack mode. Uh, double hit. Curry. Sm- Curry just smokes people, didn't he? Ridiculous. Um, Bastero, first play of the game, 60 seconds in. Elliot Daly's got the ball 20 yards away. Bastero's tackled Henry Slade, who's who's like, what are you doing? You're an absolute joke, Bastero. That's squirrel on squirrel, though, isn't it? That's what happens. That's what they're thinking, mate. Pip on pip. Um, and Elliot Daly makes a break and sees Morgan Parra at the back on his own. He's just like, oh, I'm just going to welly this past you. But the thing is, you look at it, and it's 60 seconds into the game. Watch Damien Pinot. Damien Pinot's pretty quick, but a foot race for Johnny May, he's going to lose. Watch his effort. He's jogging. He's like, okay, he's, he's try, he's uh, kick off, he's, uh, he's fuck it, you know, it's, it's uh, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what they've made. That's the big difference, right, when you look at it, is the work off the ball. Yeah. And, we, and we've spoken about it before. The game has changed in the last two or three years where strategy and tactics are everything. You watch the way that England played. I mean, obviously, the plan was to kick because and turn them because they're not fit. So if you're France and you know that England have got that in them, Surely you're thinking, right, so Penno on that one, he's thinking, I've got to be alive to everything. Work rate, work rate, you know, we get a cover tackle, we're a metre out, we might get a chance of stopping the try. But they've obviously, they don't even obviously speak about them things. Well, no. It is absolutely crazy. But is it the play? Well, this is the thing. So there's this whole debate now in France. Morgan Paris come out and say, we we could play like the English, we have it in us, but we don't know what to do. We're not trained this, uh, we don't know, and uh, we are not told. And then someone else has come out and gone, one of the French players has said, oh, we were looking at the bench, we didn't know where to stand and who should be where. And you're like, what? You are highly paid 
international rugby players and you're like I don't know I don't, where, where do I stand but if, which no, is, but, the, no, is no, line out where do I stand but if you've not coached it like you, I, at that high level obviously they know where to stand Like I, that's I get, the thing that gets me you, but you've got to know where to stand you're but, playing for Claremont you're playing for Toulon you'd never thought for yourself are you kidding me yeah but it's not that it's the work off the ball though isn't it if you're mm. not used to doing that in training if you're not used to sprinting back a hundred times in training when the pressure's well, on well, or when n- some, neither of us were no you're right well true <laughs> True. That's why we probably wouldn't have coped. Know, at least we know that that's what we should do. We'd be thinking about yeah, it in our head. Yeah. I'd throw an uppercut <laughs> and get sent off so I wouldn't have to do it. But like that's for me, it's... I do feel for the players a little bit because I genuinely think... <sighs> I, I think coaching is, is such a big part of it. It is, but it's, uh, as a player, right? So have you ever gone into a game as a player? Yes, and not knowing what I'm doing. Right. Yes. Uh, no, no, Scotland. No, no. Yeah. Andy Robinson. <laughs> no idea. Jim, pay me a million pound... <laughs> And tell me how we're. Pl- I couldn't have told you. But okay, so so break it down into your facet. Have you ever gone to a game as a line out forward, just going, "Oh, mate, just just throw it in the line out. We'll jump. We'll, we'll win it." Montpellier. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you, you've always had line out calls that you, there might be wrong calls. Strategy. Yeah. So as a professional rugby player, if you're Morgan Parra scrum half, if you're Cami Lopez at ten, and you're training and you're thinking, right, how are we preparing? Are they just playing touch rugby and training? What did you make of Nigel Owens telling off Carl Sinclair? Oh, mate, that guy again, eh? Mate. Well, there's two things about Nigel Owens, actually. Obviously, that one with, with Carl Sinclair. And, uh, you yeah, know, Nigel does love to... Rugby values. Loves installing it. But yeah, he should have been yellow carded. Well, there you go. Mm. He's got a point, and I thought his point was, at what point now can you go round and full-on slap someone on the back of the head? But he's also... He's, he slapped him on the back of the and head... And then grabbed. And then, and then yanked his scrum cap off. Three big decisions went England's way. Didn't have any effect on the game at all because England were head and shoulders above France. Carl Sinclair should have been yellow carded for that. That's what starts the melee. Slaps him on the back of the head, pulls his scrum kick off. That's yellow card. Yeah. And people go, oh, that's soft, that's pathetic. That's the laws now that should have been... Rules um, are rules. The other two were... Penalty try. The penalty try. It's never a penalty try. It's a yellow card and a penalty all day long. But when you look at it, and you see that Ashton's missed it, would have had to turn onto Max there next, and he gets the ball probably. So it's a penalty... Not a penalty try. And the other one was Farrell's try. Should never have been a try either. The kick goes through. Uh, was it DuPont and Johnny May dive? I think it was DuPont and Johnny May are both diving for the ball. Johnny May grabs his hand mm. and, and pins him down. So he can't then... And then Farrell dives on it. So, you know, Nigel didn't have his best game. Um, but it wasn't a game that, you know, those decisions impacted the result. Because England were amazingly better than France and we're not at the news section yet but it's quite valid that we're talking on England at the moment um, Marco out for the rest of the tournament who? Marco oh Marco who's Marco? Marco uh, which is it's a massive loss and obviously the next game against Wales basically decides if we win the Grand Slam or not because we beat Wales if we beat Wales in Cardiff oh if we, you didn't say that earlier you said to me it's a foregone conclusion no you no, said. no 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 I said if we beat Wales in Cardiff it is a foregone conclusion we get in the Grand Slam because we've got Italy and then Scotland at home it's amazing isn't it our year if we get to Wooden Spoon last year all of a sudden <laughs> <laughs> two easy wins and away you go but you know Mac will be a loss but then you know Ben Moon did exceptionally well in the autumn you've also got Ellis Genge to come back in uh, off the bench you know a live wire as well so we'll come to the Wales game We'll talk about that probably next week, won't we? Yeah. Although the mind games have already started a little bit with Eddie saying that this is the greatest Wales side ever. It's, two it's, weeks the, equal, it's the equal greatest Wales side ever uh, at the minute in terms of results. They've won yeah. 11 on the spin and I, I get why he's doing it. Uh, you know, there's going to be a, a bit of patter between Gatland and, and, and Eddie Jones in the press. That's the, the characters they are. But if you look at Eddie Jones, he's actually wound his neck in a bit. 
and he's got his full squad to pick from from injuries apart from now Mako and obviously Maro Itoji as well. From, you speak to the lads in camp. He's not training them anywhere near as hard as he did before. Who's your beaver in the camp? I, I can't reveal my sources. Who's yours? You said you speak to Jamie George all the time. I can't believe you just said that, mate. I speak to Jamie a little bit, but yeah. not, not about ruggers. Okay. John Mitchell's come in and done a wonderful job. People talked about John Mitchell and his character and how spiky he was and wasn't everyone's cup of tea, but maybe he's learned from his mistakes and he's told Eddie to, Eddie, just wind your neck in a little bit. Let's just train the boys hard, but to a, a level where we're not overtraining them and we'll be fresh and bouncing going into games and it's a good place to be at the minute. Well, let's touch base with someone that um, might know a little bit more about what's been going on inside the French camp, Uh, someone that's been there before, former France coach Philippe Saint-André joins us. How are you? Yeah, very well. Ah, Comment ça va, Philippe? Oh, your French is still good. C'est parfait, mon ami. (laughs) (laughs) C'est Philippe, c'est Jim, uh, c'est Parbon for the Francais équipe. Um, What the (laughs) flippity-flippity-flew is going on in French rugby, Philippe? But to be honest, I think, you know, it's a consequence of uh, 15 years or no vision, 15 years or our young players didn't have game time. Then uh, it was possible to be French champion with 15 overseas players. And uh, now we are, we are suffer. We don't have too many solutions in a lot of different areas. Plus also, you know, the, the top 14, the, the money is huge. It's, it's a tough competition, but it's a slow competition, and uh, and the French team was not the was not the priority of French rugby for 15 years, and now and now we suffer. We are tenth in the world. And what do you make of the performance at the weekend? Is that down there as one of the worst French displays of all time? Yeah, but we knew we are weak in winger, so we picked two centers on the wing, we pick a winger fullback. So we knew that England will, will test them on the open unders, will test them behind the first line, and the first action, we lost the ball and, and score. And I think four or five times, it was exactly the same, you know, so it was terrible because we knew what England will do it before the game, and they did, like, uh, like if it was a training, you know. And if, um, you know, obviously a lot of people have said that, a lot of people have said that you knew what was coming. One of the French players has come out in the press and said it was chaos. Nobody knew which position to play. Surely that's down to the players themselves and Jacques Brunel for, on how to prepare the team. Is it that bad that they're not preparing the team in the right way or what is the issue? But to be honest, it's, uh, it's sure that Jacques Brunel is the first time in the French history that you have uh, much more time to prepare the players because, you know, they were together two weeks for the Six Nations. So after the game of England, it was four weeks together. So you need to put things in place. But uh, what it's sure, it was, uh, we were quite surprised that after the game, players like Para and some other key, key players said that they don't do enough, uh, they don't do enough on the training. You know, it's funny because uh, the last two coaches before, the players say they were doing too hard, they were training too hard. But now they say, they don't do it enough, but uh, it shows that there must be some friction at the moment between the between the the players and about the staff. But they need to put uh, put right because you know we play we play Scotland uh, in two weeks. You know Scotland will come uh, and they will be desperate to beat us. And if we lost again, you know it will be the first time for I don't know for maybe ever that we can play the wooden spoon in a. In Italy, in a, in few weeks, you know. 
And then looking at some of the players, obviously Matthew Bastero came back into the team. Uh, they dropped on Tamak. You talked about some of the younger players. And let's not forget the French under 20s won the World Cup in the summer. Why did they go back to Bastero and drop uh, on Tamak for this England game? And why aren't the players taking the responsibility? You've coached in England and Sale and had success there and over in Toulon as well. So you know the differences between an English system and organisation and you know, the French where it's just a bit of play, play, play. Yeah, but you know, the, the organization of the French team is a chaos, you know, and <laughs> during four years I tried to change things, but I lost the battle, I lost the war, you know. Me, when I was coached twice, we won the first two games in the Six Nations, and on the third week, all the players were going back to play with their club, and it was terrible. At least now they, want, they don't do this anymore, but uh, I think, you know, Players are not enough fit because top 14 is quite a slow game. It's a long season. I think, you know, I think we need a top 12. We, not, we don't need a top 14. The biggest problem for me, before everybody was dreaming to go to the French team, you know, guys was training hard to go to the French team since the last seven, eight years. I feel that the guys, you know, they say, first, we're going to the French team. We'll take a lot of uh, bad things with the newspaper, we lost game, and you know, we need to to change the spirit, we need we need to change the system, and I think the federation, you know, they need to put much more money, much more resources, much more income in the French team if we want to, uh, to be back in the top six, you know. And talking about the federation, a lot of people are talking about Bernard Laporte's role and, and how involved he is. Do you think potentially... He's running a little bit of that in terms of the team. Is that with you know the problems between him and Brunel? Can you give us any insight into that? To be honest, he, the surprise he was when he dropped uh, when he sacked uh, Guinoves. You know, after after two years, Guinoves was uh, uh, the best coach in in club rugby and uh, uh, of the history. And uh, he sacked him. Apparently, he can cost nearly nearly three million euros to the French. Federation, so this, you know, I think it's better to spend three million to uh, to fitness coach, to uh, uh, players, to availability, than just pay back uh, uh, one coach that you sack. And after Jack Brunel, he, he was the assistant coach of Bernard Laporte during uh, eight years when he was uh, when when he was the, the manager of the French team. So of course they have good relations, they are friends. But I think he, he coached 13, 13 games and we lost 10 games. So it's, the result is terrible. So uh, it's a lot of pressure. The players say they are not happy. The results are not good. The public uh, are fed up to go and to, and to see the team. Uh, we were battled completely in England, you know, because the crunch normally for the last 10 years is all the time quite tough and hard. But... Uh, last week, after 30 minutes, it was game over. So it's a, a lot, a lot of pressure in the French Federation and uh, in the French camp. And do you, do you think um, they might sort of get rid of Jacques Brunel? And if so, are there any other coaches in France that you'd look at? Maybe the Claremont coaches, Vern Cotter being mentioned potentially. Um, did, did France need a foreign coach that um, can sort of take away some of the French issues that you've got within the league system? I think more and more, a lot of people speak and uh, maybe the solution is to have to have an overseas uh, coach. The problem at the moment is that the, the league have more cash than the French Federation. You know, 
So we are we are short of cash in the French Federation, and the moment the power are more in the league than on the French Federation, so it's quite uh, complicated. You know, it's a lot of politics, and uh, you know how we can say that the priority in the, is the French team when the final of the top 14 this year in 2019 will be the 15 June. Already you lost three or four weeks of uh, preparation of the World Cup. So all the time we say, yeah, we put some resources for the French team, but it's all the time the top 14 win, you know. C'est fou. Yeah, it, you know, it's, it, 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 it's crazy. And, uh, and we know that the guys, if the guys start in August, 15, finish the 15 June, after they need four weeks holidays. So they will start uh, the preparation of the World Cup uh, the 15th July, and we are so much behind the other team. I think we need four months of, uh, of preparation for the World Cup, and, we'll, and we will have less preparation than all the other countries in the world. Well, Goody was saying say food. He knows about food. That's all I know, uh, <laughs> Philippe. Um, and what are you up to at the moment, Philippe? Are you looking to get back into coaching at the, at the top level? I know we wanted to speak a little bit about these coaching clinics and these camps that you're running along with uh, Johnny Murphy. But before we do that, are you hoping to get back in at the top level at any point? Well, do you know, I, I enjoy, I coach 18 years, uh, nine years in, in England, five years Selshark and Gloucester. After the French team, do you know, it's difficult. I, if I have a great, great opportunity of a top club, why not? But at the moment, you know, I, I am like you. I work for French TV and French radio, and I have an academy where I put lot of input in my PSA academy with uh, with Murphy. With uh, uh, We have the academy in Ireland, in England, in France, in Martinique, and we develop players. I think my, my, my views are quite open because I, I had work in England. I had work with 18, 19 nation, different nationality, and we try to put this input on our on our PSA academy, and you know I, I love it because it's uh, it's just to, to try to bring skills and to bring the the good attitude and the good spirit in the game. If you want me to come over though, Philippe, to do a bit of kicking coaching, I need loads of security because I don't think the French like me at the minute, especially Matthew Bastaro. At the moment, I don't think so. <laughs> in between Matthew Bastaro and. And Murat Bujela, I don't think so. You are welcome. <laughs> but uh, if you want to come to team, no problem. And I know you are. You like to eat well and you like to drink well. So don't worry, it will be full of food. Lovely. No, please full don't. Philippe, Philippe, and no, a lot please. of beer. And <laughs> a lot of beer. And he needs cigarettes as well. <laughs> Philippe, I'm um, there for some skiing. Get, get me there for skiing. I'm all over it. Uh, Philippe, so just uh, lastly, so you're going to be in Teen in July, aren't you? So you're running a camp out of there three weeks in July in Teen. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, exactly. And it's, uh, and it's not just French uh, children. You know, last year we have more than uh, 160 guys in three weeks and 18 different nationalities. We have children come from everywhere, Ireland, English, but also uh, Hong Kong and from very, very far away. And, it, and we do rugby, but also we on the pitch we speak half English, half French. So it's also, you know, to open the mind to the children. And it's, uh, and it's fantastic. And uh, if you want to come, the, the night is not bad also. <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> so, so, so how do I get involved? So if, if we want to find out how I can uh, get rid of the missus for, for three weeks and I might even leave the kids at home, do we need to check yeah. out a website or anything? Yes, yeah, it's uh, on the PSA, PSA Academy website. It's very, very easy. And uh, if you want to come to coach with me, uh, 
send me a, a very bad Twitter. I, I will answer to you with my mobile phone. And, uh, <laughs> and, we, can, <laughs> and we can meet like this. Philippe, thank you very much for joining us, mate. And best of luck with your academies. Yeah. And let's hope uh, France can turn it around somehow heading into the rest of the Six Nations and maybe the World Cup. Merci, Philippe. Yeah. And congratulations, England, because they, they were amazing. C'est très, très bien. Take care, bye-bye. Bon voyage! <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I'm fluent. Yes, you are. Good lad. Good lad. Good lad. Mate. Good lad. Good lad. Mate, good good. Lad, is he? no, he's, a top, he's a top guy. I see him a bit around the grounds because he commentates for French TV on the Gallagher Premiership Games. You can hear it in his voice. He's a character, isn't he? You know, he, he's had his hands burnt by the French Federation and fair play, he's doing these academies and if he wants me to come to France and he's going to feed me like he says and water me like he says, as long as he's got security and it's nowhere near Toulon... Milk you as well. He can milk me, I'll be all right. <laughs> I'll be all right. Talking about Wales have been the best ever. They've had it a little bit easy and haven't looked that flash, have they? Correct, Andy Rowe. And, again, I'm eating my slippers here, aren't I? Because I thought Wales might struggle this championship. <laughs> is, but, that, is that a saying, I'm eating my slippers? Yeah. Yeah, you talk about. What does that mean? Well, you're eating your slippers, like as in, like you're eating them. Therefore, you've not said the right thing. No one's ever said you're smelly. E- no one's well, ever said, said you're eating your slippers, except for James Hamilton. So when you say you're going to go out and get get fucked up, what do you say? I'm going to have a few drinks, lad. So I'd say we're going to go out and get absolutely slippered tonight. Yeah, yeah you've heard what? that saying. And then eating. You don't eat, you your slippers. eat your slippers. No one eats slippers, mate. Mate, you're looking at me. You've got a man there that eats cat food, like, so... <laughs> he has a point. Where are we talking about? Wales. 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 Yeah. They've not really been tested yet. It's a tough one, isn't it? Because Italy, they're always going to win, and he's rotated a few, uh, and he said, you know, this is long-term, this is about the World Cup. It's not about the here and now, because, I, you know, is he is a little part of Warren Gatlin now thinking... If I'd have put my best team out against Italy, we might have got the bonus point. We'd have had momentum going into the England game. Now he's got to make... He made Was it 10 changes he made to the Welsh team? He's going to make another 10 or so back to what is his perceived strongest team for the England game. And, you know, that England game, it's a massive one-off. You know, there's no atmosphere like it when Wales play England down at the Principality Stadium, England in town. There's so much hatred from the Welsh towards the English. It's the one game I look back on in my career when you think, shit, that is loud was playing at the Principality. It was on uh, Valentine's Day, Six Nations. I missed a tackle on Stephen Jones after about two seconds. Of course. He's, he's broken through, offloaded. Two phases later, luckily there's a knock-on. Martin Williams picks up scores. The whole stadium erupts like Martin Williams has scored. And I'm thinking, all right, just get me off. It's a proper atmosphere, banging atmosphere. And it will be hostile. It will be incredible. Well, it was a pretty special day and a um, pretty impressive performance for one Welshman in particular. So let's have a chat to him now. Thomas Young is on the line. How are you, mate? Hi, how's it going? All right? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. All right, but... All right. <laughs> Thomas, I'm going to call you Youngsy, mate, because we've been mates for years. Um, yeah, I'm fine, yeah. How special was it then, making your Six Nations debut? Uh, were the family out there in Rome in force? Uh, yeah, they all come over. The old man was happy, wasn't he? But uh, yeah, it was a special. I love being out there. Hopefully, I can get out there again at some point. But yeah, it was a, it was a good weekend. Mate, I'm sure it was. And in the build-up to that game, we saw some clips of you running out with your old man at the stadium, stadium and stuff. Before, do you remember them times before? Like, did it feel a little bit surreal? Is, is it just that times moved on so much that you just enjoyed the moment? That's probably the only thing I remember from him playing is that is that moment, and it's the only time I've actually been on the or well, Millennium State or the Principality or whatever it is now. Yeah, things have moved on now, and I'm. I'm a bit bigger, but not much bigger than I was then. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's a bit bigger though, isn't he? The old boy? <laughs> he's got only odd kilo or two, yeah. 
<laughs> How is he? I texted him in the week actually to say, uh, well done, he's obviously a proud dad and uh, I told him to get his private jet out that Derek Richardson's bought him uh, as <laughs> as head, head coach of Wasps. Um, mate, it must have been great though. Obviously, there's a lot of us been championing you to, to be playing and playing regularly for Wales because of your form in, in the, the Gallagher Premiership for Wasps. But um, it must have been amazing, you know, having all the family there, April as well, your mum and your brothers and all that. Yeah, it's something I've been working up to for well, since you're playing, everyone wants to play. So they can play. And to me, the goal me was running out and you're in the crowd. You know, the way from home. It's, that's the bit that goal me is when you come out for just before the anthems. It's, that's something I won't forget, probably more than singing the anthem, is the bit when you come out and, you know, the crowd, you know, the crowd, that's, that's when I have a shivers. A mental buzz, isn't it? And looking at back yeah. at the game, actually, um, some of the stats, you made 15 tackles, you got a few turnovers as well, a couple of turnovers. Are you happy with the overall performance? I know you're pretty critical of yourself. Things to work on, or are you delighted and gutted about the try? <laughs> it would have been nice if our try was given, because I thought you, at the time, I thought they were checking the ground in. They were all asking me, I was like, no, I definitely grounded that ball. And then obviously you look up at the screen, they were checking the, the pass before, and obviously down the screen, I was like, oh, it's no try, but I was... I was happy to be open. I think I done all right, and I just really enjoyed it. The first ten minutes, oh, I, was, I was blowing pretty hard. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. What did Gatland say to the boys after the game? Because he told the media it could be embarrassing if they play like that against England in the next game. But mate, as I know, you know it's a tough place to go in Italy. There's a few changes. Did Gat say that to the boys as well, or was he just playing that up to the media? Yeah, as a, as a squad, we know we didn't perform well at all. We were quite scrappy and give a ball away too easily. And yeah, obviously the way England were playing at the minute, I think everyone knows. Well, we're going to have to step it up. But as a squad, I think we're quite confident going in. But yeah, especially with the run that we're on. And I suppose at home. But uh, I think England, no, they've been pretty impressive. But uh, I think because it's at home for us, we've got to back ourselves. You're obviously contracted to Wasps now. Premiership rules state that you get released back to the club. I know you're at Wasps. You've been training with the guys today. Um, yeah. How do you manage that situation? Obviously, the Welsh boys are training together this week, even though it's a fallow week that are playing yeah. in Wales, and the rest of you have been released to clubs around the world who are playing wherever they're playing. Massive game for Wasps on Friday, I believe, against Bristol. Yeah, Friday are you, night. Yeah. Um, are you chucking your hat in the ring to the old boy, or what's happening? <laughs> I don't think I got an option. I think he, uh, <laughs> he said well done after the game. He said two four past eight Monday morning. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I I just want to play. I might be playing, I might be going back and playing and the boys didn't have a game over the weekend, so they looked after me a bit yesterday and then trained fully today and we're ready to go Friday. So you had a goody Monday, did you? Uh yeah, I think I think I still going round, yeah. Is it still going round at the club, happy days? <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a non that's a non training day Monday for all our listeners. Yeah. Avoid the gym and do very little on the rugby pitch, on it. Mate, uh, career extension, that's all that's about. Um, speaking about your dad as well we've spoken about him before on the pod and um, he's openly admitted it was quite hard initially for him with you in the squad picking you even when you're on form obviously the players knocking on the door Goody mentioned that last year actually but yeah. what's it what's it like from your side have you forgiven him for that or do you understand that it's tough to, I mean it must be such a weird kind of environment to be in you, you know you've got your dad there you're playing well but you know that he's thinking that he can't maybe pick you how have you found that relationship with him I think he's found it harder than I did and he probably still finds it harder than I do now. But like, I've grown to get used to. Obviously, as a kid growing up, you know, you'd never know who he was. He'd come and watch sessions. You just, I suppose, you get put that tag of being his son. But he definitely found it a lot harder. I just thought that, well, he gave me the opportunity, and I found that, from my point of view, to go in and like, earn the respect of everyone there. And although he'd come out and said perhaps he didn't play me as soon as he did, but it seems to have worked out. All right, now when it's going 
well from my point of view. I still think he can get better and keep improving. But yeah, like he, he came out on the press, I think, the other day and said that if I'm playing well, I go over to see my mother if I'm not going to hear from me. So. <laughs> You're always over there then, Pugs. You're playing well. You, you still taking your washing back for for your mum April to do? Or? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Funny enough, I've obviously been away for the week last week. You come home, we got home Sunday night and come straight from training. So it's all big bags of washing back. Thomas, where is home? I always ask this to all the wash lads. Where is home? So is it Coventry? I can't see a big uh, guy living in Cov. No, big guy doesn't live in Cov. No, he lives. Uh, towards Leicester way was it called Hinkley is he Hinkley and yeah. where, where are you in Cov are you, are you seeing yeah, the sites there I've kept it kept it real and stayed close to, close to uh, training ground how good's Cov isn't it you know, there's, you know, they've got a cathedral, but they've got one to spare. So they've actually got two cathedrals. There's, <laughs> there's a song in that. Uh, I wanted to ask one more thing about your dad as well, because he spoke in the paper last week about what's going on at Wasps. Obviously, there's, there's been a, not a huge exodus, but some high-profile players yeah. leaving. I've jested about it on the on the podcast as well. But interesting reading reading about your dad's article, how hard he's found it and the pressures that he's put upon his shoulders. As his son, to take the rugby side out of it, how tough has it been for him in recent weeks? Because Wasps obviously were in, were in a hole. Uh, your dad's brought them out of that hole. You guys have been so good. You're in a final. Copious amounts of players now playing inter- international rugby. Yeah. And it does seem a tough time from the outside. How, how is he? Well, he, he, he was up and up days and he had his down days. But yeah, obviously, Wasps gone on to the club and big name players leaving. Yeah, he's had down days. But essentially, with some of the results, I've gone away as well. He has now. But yeah, he's quite... He is quite upbeat most of the time, even though he comes across that he's not. But especially outside of work, to try and stay away from it because of otherwise he's never gonna he's never gonna switch off from it. But my brother's given him enough comment enough from it to him, so I think he gets it from all angles for them. <laughs> well, mate, tell him the, the kebab shop on uh, kebabish shop on uh, Spawn Street makes a good place to unwind. Kebabish, it's called. <laughs> he's obviously listen. He's poured his heart and soul into the club, hasn't he, over the last yeah. um, eight years? I think he's been. Is it eight years he's been there now? I think. Um, yeah, so you know, it's actually it's a very honest interview, and I, you know, I know Dai's um, from my time there and, and, and previously to that, and post playing there. The other thing he talks about, and we, we mentioned talking about some of the high-profile players leaving. How do contracts go down with you and your old man um, when you're talking about <laughs> you know, an extension? Obviously, it's going to be really difficult for you at the minute as well because yeah. of this law. And, and Dai said it last week in the press about you know once you come to the end of this contract, if you want to be playing in Wales the way it stands right now, you have to move back to Wales. Interesting times for you, mate. Just well, telling me one half a million. That's what I'd do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the first contract was pretty easy. It was literally, he said, you've got an opportunity here to sign out or find a job. So that was easy enough. <laughs> Did you, was, then, it, was was rent at home with mum and dad included in that one or what? Uh, yeah, the first year was I think I said you've got you got your food on your table, so that's uh, <laughs> you can sign there or not. Nice. And you washing them? Was it? Yeah. So this contract now will be interesting. So he's actually sat me down and said, obviously we can't deal with it because of our relationships. So yeah, we'll have to get some agents involved or whatever it is to to sort that out. But I might just send my mother in and see what she comes back with. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll do it as well. You, you've seen me in the corporate lounges. I, I, I got, have seen it. Yeah. I got one de Jong a, a contract extension the other day. I see he's signed as as well and got on a, an extension. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I can make things happen with Derek. You know, I'll, I'll send you in then. See what comes out with that. <laughs> Um, mate, lastly, just on the game uh, a couple of weeks against England, what do Wales need to do? We know you'll rock up emotionally, but what do you need to do in order to put yourselves in a good chance to beat England? Because they, they look incredible at the minute. I think it's probably match them physically. Obviously, both games they've played, they've just dominated physically, and you know their line's been defence has been good. I'm not against France; they just 
know, like physically they battered them and then you know they kicked the ball behind them. So I think obviously from a Welsh point of view, we match them physically and actually try and win the king kicking battle. Well, best of luck, Tom, for the remainder of the Six Nations and, of course, uh, the um, the Wasps game this weekend. Lovely. Thank you very much. Cheers, Thomas. Good man. Thank you. You've, You've just called him Tom. Yeah. His name mate. is Thomas. You're is such actually? a Kiwi. Yeah. Um, um, proper good lad. Good, good mate lad. of mine. Good, good, good mate of mine. I'll tell you that for free. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I used to go knocking on Di's door and say, Di, pick him. Got to pick him. He's, he was training the house down and Di was like, goody boy, get yourself back down to McDonald's and bring me a Big Mac on the way home. But he's been amazing for us, hasn't he? Oh, mate, he's, for me, always rated him. One of them naturally gifted players, so quick. I, I think he offers something completely different. Mate, I, he's I, unreal. I, I, I really ball, do. Ball in hand. Everything he does is effective. Yeah. Ball in uh, hand, he's like a centre that can make breaks. A link player as well. He is, you know, and they are blessed with proper decent back rowers, open sides in Wales. Navidi, who played eight, is is a seven as well. Um it, unbelievable though imagine Thomas going in with his dad to talk about a contract and he's openly said there that Di said to him we can't do this we're going to have to get agents involved and, and what is fair value surely his dad will be like I reckon million pound player yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'd do if I'm coach yeah. and my lad comes in but Di's the complete opposite of that Di will go to the extremities to say he's clearly not favouring his son you can see he's had it tough he's worked hard he deserves everything he gets whether it's a Welsh selection whatever contract comes his way he's, he is worth it he's Wasp's most valuable player I reckon well let's uh, let's talk about the uh, Ireland win over over Scotland in Murrayfield and we've got a friend of the show on the phone at the moment Stephen Ferris is on the line how are you mate? you get back home yeah, okay. not too bad thanks you get back home yeah, okay the other night? Good. I did mate I did yeah um, made it home back to sunny Belfast uh, things are good so I'm uh, looking forward to getting back over next month catch up with you boys I believe there's a live show lined up that uh, I hear Andy Good's going to get his top off any truth in it well let's just discuss that because you text me and said am I booked in I need a bit of notice because I need to get in the gym so I can take my top off <laughs> and take Jim on <laughs> and sing again. So, I, listen, I ain't daft, mate. I ain't taking my top off. Jim will. Uh, I'm so. in beast mode. I'm in beast mode at the minute. Uh, talking of beast mode, they they probably needed a beast out there at the weekend, Scotland, didn't they? We'll get straight into the ruggers. Uh, we haven't even spoken about it. We thought we'd get an expert opinion on how Scotland were robbed by Roman Pratt again. Oh, what, come on, Jim. I know, Matt, I'm joking. you better than that, Jim. Mate, I'm joking. Scotland, well, were, Scotland were rubbish, mate. They, they, they didn't play very well. What was your take on it, mate? Uh, uh, yeah, okay. I thought it was going to be a tough game get into it, but for me, Scotland didn't really show up. It just littered with mistakes in the second half, and I just think the big name players just didn't pitch up in a, in a big game at home, especially getting off to a great start the week before. So, yeah, disappointing from a Scottish point of view, point of view but from, from an Ireland perspective, absolutely fantastic. Go over there, get the job done, and you know I think Ireland were probably playing at 60 or 70%, and there's a lot more to come from them in this competition so yeah um, Irish point of view absolutely great Scottish point of view absolutely crap and let's talk to you about you know when you played the game you're an abrasive back rower uh, like big hits and stuff there's all this chat at the minute about Sexton taking the ball to the line getting hit late you know there's the chat about Peter Omani's challenge on Stuart Hogg uh, that obviously ended his game are you looking at them now thinking you know, had you been playing, you'd have done the same thing. Should Omani's one been a penalty against him for the late challenge on Stuart Hogg? The debate of Sexton, I, I think it's a load of crap. He takes the ball to the line better than anyone else. And if you're, yeah. if he's running at you like that, you're going to try and smoke him, right? Yeah, absolutely, Goody. And, you know, it's a, it's a contact sport. I know we're trying to look after people as much as possible, especially when it comes to high tackles. But, you know, if somebody, somebody's come to the line, um, like Johnny does, you know, there's an opportunity there to 
to, to put a hit on him, then you're gonna you're gonna make it try and make it a big one, especially against uh, against Johnny, who's Ireland's one of Ireland's best players. So you know, I think the Peter Romani one was probably just a penalty. Uh, I don't think there was too much in it, but uh, yeah. I think if I was on that pitch, I would have done exactly the same as the Scottish lads, targeting Sexton. Um, you know, you try and target the best players for sure. I used to get targeted all the time, I know. Um, Stevie, <laughs> so j- just talking about Sexton, because when I've watched him play uh, last week and then early on in the, in the Scotland game as well, mate, he, do- he doesn't look fit. He looks like he's carrying some kind of rib injury and every collision he stays down. Like, from wh- where you're seeing it, is he staying down because he's hurt? Is it... You know, he's very moany as well. He's complaining to the referee about his treatment. And like you said, it is a contact sport. But is he is yeah. he suffering with an injury, is he? Pass, uh, Jim. I've actually no idea what's going on. But it seems to be not just the last couple of games. I think the last couple of years, every time he gets hit late, he seems to stay down. Whether that's to draw more attention to, you know, these late hits um, and, and put a bit more pressure on the referee. I'm not sure. I was down at Thoman Park watch. Uh, Leinster play against Munster and you know he got really rattled in, in that game a couple of players got yellow carded and there was a red card for James Lowe and he was captain that day he just seems to be getting irritated with the smallest of things but you know he, he's a big game player like um, he, he can fairly throw it about himself so hopefully he doesn't have too many small injuries that are uh, holding him back but you know uh, definitely Jim I can't see anything specific that's holding him back in terms of rib injuries or, or, or calf injuries or anything that are that are making him sluggish. I, I think the worrying thing is for him, obviously he's, he's, he's pretty trim now, he used to be a bit of a, a bit more porky didn't he back in the day. <laughs> and I worry for him because I think when you get that much anger, I think it's because he's not allowed chocolate and I love chocolate and I'm always happy and I think if he had a bit more chocolate he'd have a bit more padding around the middle, therefore he wouldn't, when he gets belted he'd be okay right? <laughs> Just my philosophy. Yeah, uh, there might be something in that there, to yeah. be honest with you, Goody. But like, you, you can see all the pictures floating around of uh, Sexto back in the day, and Gatsibo, and even Draco puts them up on on their social media, where you know they have a picture of him winning the Heineken Cup, and then they have a picture of him where he's like twenty three stone and um, <laughs> absolutely massive uh, in, in the next picture. So yeah, he, he, get, he used to get a bit of ribbon about uh, being overweight, but he certainly put that to bed he's, he's got himself in half decent shape and that's what you got to do to pr- prolong your career isn't that right Goody? No you've got to put weight on to protect yourself that's what I did and I played for 18 <laughs> years so Stevie let's talk a little bit about where you see Ireland I mean it was all won and lost in that first game really England obviously go to Wales um, in a couple of weeks and let's talk about being the Grand Slam decider if you're Scottish you might beg to differ where do you see Ireland's chances you know what's going to be a successful Six Nations for them now going into the World Cup Yeah for sure I think uh, Ireland and the, the way Joe Smith is and uh, the players that they currently have fit you know if they could get to the end of the Six Nations with not too many more serious injuries to key players um, you know obviously they're going to still come out in the media and say they're they're going to try and win the Six Nations but I think if uh, if England get a, a good result in just over a week's time then you know they'll they'll be front runners for the championship so if they, if they can get themselves into second and uh, you know can get a bit of momentum going into uh, the World Cup year then that would be a, a definite success considering the start that the start that they got off to. But you know, you, you have to look at the Irish team, and I know every international team suffering with injuries. And you just look at the English team with those injuries that they've had over the last eighteen months. They've got those guys back again. Um, I think that's what Ireland are, are going to be trying to achieve in in the next number of months is keeping those key guys fit, managing them like they have done well over the last couple of years in, in the Pro 14 uh, and the European Cup. 
Um, and fingers crossed, you know, come the World Cup, uh, the Irish boys will be flying again. But um, yeah, disappointing, obviously, that first week in, in uh, at the Aviva when, when England came to town and uh, put the put the lads to the sword. And I think every Irish fan, me included, went home with their tails. Uh, firmly between their legs because England were absolutely fantastic. Yeah, yeah, you, you did, and then you came to London. And it was still between your legs as well, mate. mate there's nothing week. wrong. There's, no, there's <laughs> nothing wrong with having a tail-like figure between your legs, mate. I'm telling you now, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, just one last one for me, then, mate. Uh, obviously, Joe Schmidt made the announcement before Christmas that he's leaving after the World Cup. Do you reckon that's had any negative impact at all, or is it just the fact that you got outmuscled? There's a few injuries, and you know things haven't gone as as smoothly for Ireland as, as they have been previously. Um, no, I don't think it's had any effect, uh, Goody. I think you know when you're going into a Test match week, the last thing you're thinking about, you know, the coach leaving at the uh, uh, post World Cup. So I think they just come in a, a bit undercooked, uh, missing a few key guys, uh, obviously, and they almost look slightly tired. I'm not sure that, if that's just because of the European Cup and uh, big games. You know, at the at the tail end of uh, the group stage of that, oh, mate. The English but, boys are playing that as well, and you know the English boys play more, so not having that. Not yeah, as much but, as the Scottish boys. They're so tired. <laughs> <laughs> but I think just uh, as well, both sets of teams went over to Portugal, went to different uh, camps, obviously. But I'm just kind of question how much training they actually did over there. I know Eddie Jones has got. Uh, crucified in, in the press and a number of times about overtraining the players so you know for me sometimes less is more and, uh, and maybe the, the Irish guys done a bit more than the English guys because hey, the, hey, the English lads certainly look fresher hey, hey, less is more that's my, my motto when I trained alright Stephen thank you very much for joining us mate and uh, we'll see you in a few next weeks month, yeah, at the uh, yeah. Our next live show at Flat Iron in London Look forward to it, boys. Get the beers lined up, Jim. Oh, mate, I will do. Goody, bring the, the vape. The Goody, bring the vape. The Guinness, mate. The Guinness. The Guinness and Blackcurrant tops off. Cheers, everywhere. lads. Cheers, Have mate. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. He set the scene, didn't he? From one of our very first live shows. It was a scene as well. And he's singing That's... a song and he gets his top off and I'm like... Aha! Wow. Don't forget, you can catch this year's Six Nations action on RugbyPass.com if you're in Asia. And wherever you are in the world, you can watch the video version of this pod on there as well. Just a quick congratulations to Jacob Cook, who's top of the Rugby Pod Predictions League on the Guinness Match Pint app after the opening two rounds of the Six Nations. Just download the Match Pint app, head to the League tab, enter the code RugbyPod if you want to get involved with that. And Goody, uh, you're beating Jim at the moment. I know more about rugby than Jim Hamilton. No shock in that at it was week one where I got done where I thought and believed, I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous that I thought France were going to beat Wales and they didn't. So that's where I lost it. Everything else, we've been on cue. Well, let's have a look at the rumour mill. Have you guys got anything floating around at the moment? Well, we called it, didn't we? I say we, the rugby pass guys. I don't know who, who we or the mole is in that. Sean O'Brien to London Irish. They have put out... Cash money. This two, is, we've got everything. Here you go, Shawnee, come on. I don't know whether he's a good signing for them. I think he's a brilliant signing for them. I don't know. Mate, he, he don't play. Well, oh, mate, there's no doubt in he is a world-class player. Mate, the Premiership is a week-in, week-out. London Irish have signed him. They're going to be fighting against relegation next year. Um, listen, for impacts, he's a great player. You know, someone for London Irish to hang their hat on and say, here's our Irish player, here's our... Mate, they've got Brendan Mackin. Like, they're going to hand the hat on him? No, no. They're going to hang it on Shawnee O'Brien. Um, as a, you know, he's a... Is he a, he's a double British line, isn't he? Um, yeah, Grand Slam winner. All Apparently he's loose as a goose as well. Oh, yeah. I was in Vegas with Shawnee uh, quite a few years ago. And how was that? Um, Jordan Murphy stag do. He's a top lad. It was loose and... Decent? Uh, hell of a piece, actually. Really? Mate. Oh, oh, mate. <laughs> mate. Yeah, so 
listen, it, it's a statement signing for London Irish, isn't it? It bloody you, is. Hey, from what you, you're saying there, it is, mate. <laughs> <laughs> if you look at their recruitment over the last few years, it's it's difficult because of the you know the way relegation, promotion, relegation has been. Uh, planning's not been great there. Recruitment's been poor, and it's always just been plugging gaps. Now they've got this injection of cash, the CVC money. They're going gung ho. They've made quite a few decent signings, you know, and they're they're like, we we need to we need to invest in our squad to to challenge. Any more rumours floating around? Well, there's still rumours circulating that Bastero is going to be leaving France. Who cares about him? Let's move on. Okay. Who else we got? I I have got one. Owen Franks? Signed, sealed and delivered. Owen Franks to Northampton. Will Barrow? Signed, sealed, delivered. Will Um, Barrow! (laughs) Him and his brother will be playing together. His brother's done all right there, actually, considering he was absolutely Papa Nui at London Irish. Yep. Nope. They're, they're signing the best brother, let's just say that. Well, is that through Sam Vesti, put your nose, eat it on TV? Bogey monster. I, I don't know anything, but when, when Ben Franks tells me that Owen Franks is signed there for next year, I reckon he's, I reckon it's a done deal. <laughs> okay, pretty legit. <laughs> Any other rumours? What about, what about Tongan John? Oh, that is a big one, actually. Sione... Veanu. Vailanu. Vailanu. God, I get my names wrong. God, he's so <laughs> good, effort, good. Good effort. Where's he off to, Jim? Wait, wait, he's leaving Saris, well, is he? I've heard Wass have got, got 20 grand budget in there. So Tongan John, you can have it. Oh, he's going to Wasps, is he? He's a quality player, mate. Oh, the power. Yeah. The raw power. Yeah. He's a your man. Is he? He is better than Nathan Hughes. Is he? That's a big statement. So if he comes... Well, in your eyes, it's a big statement. Mate, he is quality, mate. They can keep him fit. In, yeah. not, not in terms of injury, obviously. Keep him running fit. Yeah. You ain't seen anything like it. Full grill of gold teeth. Not a word of English. Loves playing FIFA. <laughs> and <laughs> he, can, he can carry... Full grill. Le Ballon. Good on him. So is he? I mean, I, no, I don't know if he signs or delivered. I, I, I can't make. A, I can't make any comment on wasps at all. Saris would be. I don't know whether they can or they can't. Or wasps have come in with a bit of budget. Saris would be silly to let him go. He is awesome. Yeah. Goody, I've got a question because I've heard a rumor. Scott Fardy. What do you reckon? I think he's a hell of a player. Um, apparently, wasps are bringing out the the wheelbarrows, the checks. They've offered him a place outside the kebabish, and wasps want him. I've heard it's signed, sealed, delivered, wheelbarrow, but I don't know anything, no comment. And I didn't read that in one of the papers that says they basically break all the rumours that none of them come true. I didn't get it from there. <laughs> I don't, uh, no comment. Me so, mate yeah, FNL Mike saw him walking around off. That's what he said. The good, the bad and the ugly, which is brought to you this week by Telegraph Sports Subscription. Go and check out telegraph.co.uk forward slash the Rugby Pod for some quality analysis on the Six Nations, Premiership Rugby and beyond. Rugby Pod listeners get a free month and then a further three months at half price at just 50p a week. You'll get unlimited access to all their sports coverage, insight and analysis. So make sure you're in the know with the Rugby Pod and the Telegraph. Just head to telegraph.co.uk forward slash the Rugby Pod to get your 30-day free trial and three months half price. Uh, good, plenty of good this week, uh, as ever in the world of rugby. Um, we're not going to go to the Six Nations straight away. We're going to start off in the Premiership Cup. And a tip of the hat, a tip of the slipper, a tip of the whatever you want to tip it to, Jim, to Saracens, your old boys. They just roll on, don't they? All the boys are away playing Six Nations for Wales, for Kelly England. Brown, he's whoever. leading the charge. You know, marching on, they picked a bunch of kids and beat Worcester away in the semi-final into another another final it's just a habit isn't it yes, of it is. winning uh, sticking with the Premiership Cup theme uh, Saints uh, bounce back from a 21 point deficit 21 nil down after about 20 minutes actually against Newcastle to dispatch the Falcons 59-33 and not just about the result but a special mention to some of the players they've got a decent academy set up there they've got some good players coming through some youngsters Grayson James Grayson was quality at 10 Furbank at fullback and there's a player who not many people would know about but Hutchinson at outside centre was 
was phenomenal. So their academy set up there, they've got going on, is producing the goods, uh, good for the future of the club. Um, what else was good? We'll, we'll go to Leicester Tigers, because we've put them in the bad a few times this season so far, and we've talked about how poor their recruitment's been, but we haven't talked about this one because it's happened, it's not a rumour, it's happened, but they've signed the Crusaders back row, Jordan Talfour. He is a monster. We mentioned that about four months ago as well. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. what a signing that is. He's an absolute beast, so... That's pretty good. From Beast from the East. Never. Yeah, he is from the East as well. South, it depends which way you go. Damn. Crazy, Jim. You're a crazy, man. Uh, so that's pretty good from Leicester. We've, we've criticised their recruitment. They're starting to get it right. Good on Jordan Murphy. Um, steering still clear of the Six Nations. And we're going over to basically the American version of the Six Nations. I've seen this. Scrumming to the cows come home. Oh, oh my Brazil. Brazil. They absolutely scrummaged till the cows come home. They did it to the Maoris mm. in November. Did like a 40 metre scrum. See you later. They did it again to Canada. But this time, they won the game 18-10 over the Canadians. Uh, Brazil are way below them in the rankings. So a massive shout out to all the Brazilian. Uh, Brazil. Brazilian. To the Brazilians. Love that word. Brazilian. 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 Thank you. Yeah. So big shout out to Brazil rugby. Um, and let's just go straight on to the Six Nations. Uh, Wales, pretty good. Not a sparkling performance, but equaling the Welsh record of 11 victories on the spin is pretty good with their victory over Italy. There's only one place the good is going this week. And you'll be surprised by this, but as I'm English, as I'm an arrogant Englishman, according to Jim. A fat Englishman. A fat, arrogant Englishman. A bold. According, sorry, I'm not I, bold. No, I've got okay, a head of hair now. Yeah, sorry. You're I'm, bold. I'm sorry. Yes, I am. And I'm... Um, also well veted. Sorry. Um Avit still a sponsor of ours or not? Anyway, uh, absolutely dominated the French, 44 points to eight. Tactics, execution of the kicking game, all spot on. Uh, Johnny May's hat trick, only the second first half hat trick in Six Nations history. Uh, the chicken is flying. England, fantastic. Just give us the Grand Slam now. I actually don't think chickens fly. Well, chickens don't fly, but Johnny May's got the chicken voice and he's flying. So the good this week goes to England. Uh, bad. A few bad things. It's not going to be hard to work out where it is going, but the bad this week, we can start off with Newcastle, one of my old teams. Threw away a 21-0 lead, then they were 28-7 up uh, in the Premiership Cup semi-final. Three of the next four games are away from home in the Premiership as well. They're sitting bottom of the log, so uh, from 21-0 up away from home at Northampton, you'd expect more from them. Uh, that was pretty bad. Um, Greg Laidlaw's interview after the game. Uh, oh, here he is. Well, no, what? Oh, man, I, kn- I knew he'd come back round. But because... it is bad, it is bad. While I respect his honesty in terms of his own feelings, when you're doing an interview post-game and you get stuck into a ref, they didn't lose that game just because of the ref. And we, we said Roman Poit wasn't great, but I don't think he looked at the whole picture. He's gone out Roman Poit, he said, we had him against South Africa and he, he doesn't he doesn't like us. What did he say, Jim? He doesn't like us like eek. Um, and he didn't look at Scotland's deficiencies in his post-match interviewing. If he'd have said, look, we were poor, we made mistakes, we gifted them a try, we did this, we did... he's just gone at Roman Poit, which uh, I'd be interested in, I'll put it on Twitter, I'd be interested to see if there's any ramifications of that because coaches have had disciplinary hearings off the back of being very uh, strongly opinionated on poor refereeing performances and putting that out there. So um, I respect his honesty, but there's a better forum for it. So that was pretty bad. But the bad this week, as you can imagine, they often feature in the bad. The French, absolute shambles, especially Jacques Brunel, the coach. He's picking centres on the wing. He's picking a wing at fullback. The whole team was absolutely gutless. 
apart from Anton Dupont, who came off the bench. They were an absolute shambles, the biggest defeat to England in over 108 years. The white flag came back early. No, 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 je ne sais pas, I no play today, a high five! <laughs> <laughs> it's not good, my French friends. And all the helmets on Twitter coming at me saying, but you are a fat Englishman! Yes, you, yes. Are, you are a fig! <laughs> Thank you. I like figs. Send them to my house. I fucking hate figs. <laughs> so uh, the bad this week goes to the French. The ugly. Well, I changed the habit of a lifetime. We just got to stick the French in the ugly as well. And it's, oh, you're terrible. What's ugly is the players going at the coach off the fi- off the field. Um, one of the French players telling the coach, "It was chaos. Nobody knew which position to play. I now look at my number on the back of my shirt." We were lost on the pitch. I tried to ask the bench. High five. (laughs) Honestly, you can't make it up. So there's a lot of infighting. Very French. No one knows what's going on. The ugly this week is the infighting of the French. The whole fallout of the players. Morgan Parra, I don't reckon you're ever playing under Jacques Brunel again after saying what you said. The ugly this week goes to the French as well. Thanks, Goody. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Producer Tim. And thank you very much for listening as well. Don't forget to subscribe. Follow us on Twitter, review us on iTunes, and check out our new Superfans monthly subscription service at patreon.com forward slash the Rugby Pod. Rugby Pod. Pod, pod, pod. (laughs) 